Hello and welcome to Concert Pipeline. That's Jen Schippel. And that is Steve Jones. And we have a fun show for you today. I know we say that sometimes, but uh, you know, other times we probably didn't mean it as much as uh, as we do this time, right, Jens? That's right. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we just you know don't mean it at all, but this time we really truly mean it. Yes, yes. So you get your money back on the uh, previous episodes where we said that, um, and uh, and you can kind of use that to donate to the cause on this episode, which is featuring who's who's on the episode today, Jens. Oh, we have got quite the artist. That's true, Jens. Yes. We quite the artist. We've got Kimbra, who's absolutely fantastic. I can't wait to talk about her a bit later on the show. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Before we do, Jens, how can people get a hold of us? Well, uh, social media would be the way to go. So uh, if you're a Facebooker, go ahead and check us out at Concert Pipeline Pod. Uh, if you like the YouTube, it's Concert Pipeline. Uh, if you like Twitter, it's Concert Pipeline. If you like Instagram, it's Concert Pipeline. Yeah, we we said we would periscope at the at that show, and it didn't happen. I'll just say that. So. You know what? I completely <laughs> forgot. I, I would have periscoped that show. I remember, like at the like at the end, like right near the end. I'm like, oh yeah, we said we periscope. So apologies to those that are looking for Concert Pipeline periscoping at uh, the the Kimber show. You'll have to sit that one out. Uh, and uh, in lieu of that, I'll make more of an effort to put up a, a video from the show on Concert Pipeline's Facebook page. How's that sound? You're going to put a video up? Yeah, I, I think I'll do that. So, yeah. Uh, could you explain a little bit about this video? I need to approve this. I mean, it's uh, one of Kimber's songs, so we'll... Oh, that'd be fine. Oh, there's another video that you... Uh, no, there's not. <laughs> there's another no, video there's that, not. That, uh, that you're like itching to, to be on Concert Pipeline's Facebook page, isn't there? There is absolutely not. In fact, I was hoping that you would uh, not mention that, and I am uh, regretting that I had even brought you, it up. I mean, you, you walk down that path, Jens, right here, where you, we can't walk away now. So do you, do you want to... I'm pretty, uh, sure, I'm pretty sure we can. I'm betting that you're going to forget about it by the end of this. Do you, do you think... You know me pretty well, Jens. You've known me for, you know, nearing a decade now, right? Yeah, well, you know, I'm just going to cross my fingers and, uh, you know, um, see what I can do. Oh, no. You know what? The funny thing is, there. You know, every time we hang out, there are new things. You know that I learn about you, and probably the same way the way around. I had no idea that you knew every single word of that song, which is why we had to play it in the we, car during we, our commute from we, the show. We had a little concert pipeline version of Carpool Karaoke here, uh, coming back from uh, the Kimber show, didn't we? We did, and I. Um, to our defense, uh, I don't think either of us, I didn't, uh, have any idea that uh, we were being recorded at this time. Oh, no, no, that was uh, not... So that was a complete, complete <laughs> surprise. Um, uh, you know, funny, but, oh, my God, please delete that now. <laughs> yeah, right? No. <laughs> it's, it's not too incriminating because you can't really hear how bad, you know, 
my voice is, yes, I know the words, but as far as being able to sing, no, no, not a good sight. Yeah, well, well, I, can, I applaud you for, you know, remembering the lyrics to that song. It's a fantastic song. Um, but, you know, what our listeners aren't, seeing, you know, is the actual visual aspect of it, um, where, you know, it's the back of our heads, uh, videos from the backseat, um, you know, you're singing the words and I've got like my right arm flailing yeah, and the way I'm moving, it looks like it's, you know, broken or something. It's making these crazy hand gestures as I'm, you know, signing the song. So what you're saying is that uh, for them to be able to see that, they need to go to facebook.com forward slash concert pipeline pod. Is that what you're saying? Uh, They could do that and they will not see the video there. They will, however, see a fantastic video of Kimber's show. Oh, wow. What a segue. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I I know the guy who uh, does the social media for concert pipeline and uh, you know, you never know what what will show up there. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying, man. People gotta, people gotta check out our social media sites and check out Kimbra. Um, if you haven't heard her uh, stuff yet, she is absolutely fantastic live. Oh my god, she blew me away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a topic before we get into Kimbra. You know, fully, there was something you wanted to, you know, to put out uh, into the this the podcasting stratosphere here of a, a situation that happened uh this week is that accurate uh, a situation did happen yes yeah uh you talking about the parking situation we're gonna we're gonna break open the parking situation and um and feel free to let us know your thoughts by tweeting at concert pipeline as well and uh you can uh uh, we need we need to make up like a hashtag for it, right? Like, <laughs> get it get it trending or something. I don't know. Right, we got to think about a creative hashtag for this. Um, so Here, anyway, the, this doesn't have to. Yeah, yeah I mean. You, we'll we'll put it up here now. Okay, if you are siding with with Steve, uh, with me on this one, you can uh, tweet at Concert Pipeline hashtag Dillhole Yes. If uh, if you are not siding with me and think that I'm completely in the wrong, then uh, then tweet at Concert Pipeline with hashtag Dillhole No. And uh, <laughs> perfect. And we'll see how perfect. that works out. <laughs> uh, you, well, and we, and we so want I, th- you I thought that. you were going to say, if, and if you decide, if you decide not to side with me and side with my mother instead, yeah, yeah, that's that, that's the dill hole no. Uh, one. <laughs> so and, this is about parking, and it, uh, it, uh, it, uh, this does not involve my parking. No. Although we might have talked about that in the past. Um, it doesn't involve Steve's parking, but no. So I'll hand it over to you. So um, I will start by saying yes, and to a degree, I was you know biting the hand that fed me a, a little bit. Um, uh, my daughter takes gymnastics, and um, and I was not able to pick her up from school due to a work meeting and get her to gymnastics at the new time for her gymnastics class. And my mom had stepped up and uh, and volunteered to pick my daughter up uh, from school to bring her to gymnastics. I picked up my son and was meeting them at the gymnastics class. I got there first uh, with with my son. We uh, When my mom and, and daughter uh, pulled up, my uh, they, they pulled up across the street from the gymnastics place, and, uh, and then my mom 
uh, I mean, proceeded to uh, to leave like a, I mean, it, a big old ga- gap of space in front of her before you know, and not pull up behind the car that's in front of her. And this wouldn't be as big of a deal, except that. This place gets packed. There's no parking. The parking lot is always full, and and parking on the street is really hard to come by around the time of the gymnastics classes. I do feel for the people that live in that area and have to deal with this every day um, who have nothing to do with the gymnastics. But uh, so my mom pulls up uh, across the street. You know, I walk across the street with my son, and I'm like, hey, you left a lot of room here. You know, can you, you pull up a little bit? You know, and her window was up, right? Um, and she, uh, and she was like, no, you know, sort of thing. And so, um, I wait for the doors to be unlocked. I tried to open the doors, but the doors are still locked, uh, so that she could hear me. I'm like, Hey, you know, when uh, my daughter opened her door, I was like, Hey, can you pull your car up a little bit? Um, there's a, a ton of room and parking is really hard to come by here. And, uh, and she said, no, I'm like, okay, can I do it? Right. Uh, can I move your car for you? And, uh, and, uh, she said no to that. And so I could just drop it. Right. I could. That, that was an option. Yeah. Did that option go through your mind at that time? Did it go through my mind at that time is the question. Um, I don't know that that was an option for him <laughs> in, in my mind at the time, you know? And, and so I get that there's, t- it takes two to tango, but this is absolutely from uh, my perspective, hashtag Dillhole, yes. Uh, it was this was absolutely instigated by my mother, you know, and could have been avoided from escalating to the point where it did, where we're like arguing in the middle of the road, <laughs> like as my daughter's trying to get into her gymnastics class and is just like getting frustrated, you know, of you know, uh, with us kind of arguing. And, and so I told my mom not to be a dill hole and that it was a dill hole move, you know, sort of thing. I, I, dill hole is a word that came to mind. Like, I don't know, because I didn't want to curse in front of my daughter, but there was expletives in my mind uh, that were going on because it's just, I had, I had been, you know, I mean, you you see those people who do this, right? I mean, and you you want to leave a note, you want you want to key their car sometimes because it's just like, come on, have some respect for for someone else, right? And, right. Uh, and um and just further support to my point, um, the uh, girl I'm dating, Tracy, actually brought up a a good point that, like the week before. Uh, I, I took her on a date to go bowling, and um, and the parking lot was full. And uh, part we parked on the street. Uh, I got uh, we got out of the car. We were about to go in, and I'm like, you know what? There's um, a good chunk of room in behind me. Uh, you know, I I'm gonna move back so that I can make another spot in front of me. I just did it. You just it's just what you do. Yeah, it's like it's a, you know people hopefully uh, you know have that kind of awareness when they're when they're parking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so. Uh, so that's where you, the audience, comes in uh, <laughs> to this because we, you know, we need support. I haven't talked to my mom since then. This was Monday. We're recording this on Thursday night. So I, I mean, I, I don't talk to her every day usually, but you know, it, when so she she shut down and just was not happy. Obviously, after that, she didn't like being called names. She's kind of immature and. Um, and get, you know, gave me the silent treatment in the gymnastics class and then left halfway, nice. halfway through, uh, the gymnastics lesson. Um, and, 
Um, and I haven't talked to her since. So fantastic. Did she move her car or no? No, no. And, and even like in the gymnastics cla- uh, class after my daughter did their, her initial run, like they, they start by running a, a couple of laps, you know, and then like going and getting some water. I had left my water bottle in the car. Uh, that uh, I was going to give my daughter some water, right? So I went out to the car. I was going out to the car. I was like, hey, mom, you know, you know, you sure you don't want me to move your car while I'm going out? I'm going out to get a you know, water bottle. Uh, and she just said, no. I'm like, okay. Okay. All right. So there it is. So <laughs> was she worried? I mean, did she express she, no. anything about why she parked like that? I mean, was she no, worried no. that she was going to scratch her there, car? There's or? no rhyme or reason, no justification. Just, oh, well, what she did say, I'll, I'll take that back a little bit. Uh, what she did say was that she um, she wanted to, uh, she didn't want to get pegged, pegged in, you know, into the spot. Or anything, but this was worlds beyond pegged in. This was so she needed an extra car's length to get out of the spot. Yeah, but not enough where some an, an extra car can actually get into the spot, right? It's just en- right. enough where she can, she's going to smooth out, say you know, slightly. Thinking about number one here, right? Um, really? Have you had have you had her eyes checked recently? Maybe she like seriously can't see. I don't know, but these these things happen with my mom, and I have the the inability to communicate with her when these situations happen and it's, it makes okay. her a challenging relationship. Right. And what did you call her again? Dill hole. So, so, you know, when you, when you told, when you told me the story, you, you made it sound like dill hole was a, you know, was a expletive that you've been using for years. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, it, that's her. Yeah. That's her like, nickname. Where, where, where have I been? Like everyone says dill hole, this dill hole, that and I've never heard anyone say dill hole. I uh, like. I felt like left out. Like if I've been living under a rock, yeah, I know. expletive. I mean, I could have been. I could have been dillholing people for years. And <laughs> You're gonna be dillholing people. Yeah, I gotta make up for lost time. I'm gonna dillhole everyone now. Yeah. So, so then after the whole incident, the dillhole incident. Yes. The dillhole incident. Yes. Um, I gave you some awesome advice on okay. the way back. Okay. Do you remember this? No, no, I don't offhand or so. <laughs> I'm sure it was great, but <laughs> I gave you some awesome advice. I, you know, I, I, so I was scratching my head and I was thinking, well, you know, Steve might encounter this, you know, a similar situation uh, in the future where he will use the word dill hole, um, or maybe he'll make up a new word where he, you know, could maybe take a quick step back and 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 use a word that might not be so, you know overly offensive and cause his mother not to talk to him for like a week. So, uh, so I was like, well, you know, let's figure out, uh, you know, a, a word that's more appropriate that you could substitute for dill hole. So, um, you know, D hole. Well, right. Yeah. The dill starts with D. So I'm like, why don't we start at the beginning of the alphabet? All right. Let's start with a hole. Okay. Like, yeah. 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 That'd go over okay. better with my mom. Right. Yeah. Right. A hole is not going to work. Let's go to the next one. B-hole? B-hole, which is also, like, totally inappropriate. Uh, but, hey, you know, third time's a charm, right? I, I should, in the middle of the road, have worked uh, up my way up to C-hole, right? C-hole, <laughs> right. Okay. Can't happen a fourth time, you know, like D-hole. All right, we give up. Right. But anyway, point is... Yes. Point is, we, work on a replacement word that's less offensive. Oh, I thought the point was we need you to uh, tweet at concert pipeline ha- with hashtag dillhole yes or dillhole no. 
uh, and and tell me who's uh, tell us whose side do you you take in this situation? Okay, you have the facts <laughs> as presented here on Concert Pipe. They're out there. Now we need your feedback. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> carrying on, there is no shitty parking uh, in the uh, ca- uh, in preparation for the Kimber concert, right? So. We lucked out. I think we had so much parking karma on our side, you know, based on the various forms of vandalism that have <laughs> occurred, you know, uh, occurred to both of our vehicles. Um, we went around the block once, I think. I was yeah. And then we found a spot. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. We stood there with the parking signs a bunch of times, made sure that we weren't, you know, dreaming that we got such a great spot. So, but we did. Uh, even got there early. Yeah, and this is at the Regency Ballroom in San Francisco. Great place to see a show. Uh, I've seen a bunch of shows there. You've been there a couple times, I think, as well. Yeah, and, yep, yep. I think the most notable for me was the uh, Bowie tribute that we both went to. Oh, absolutely, hands down. And and I'm kind of you know I'm pretty bummed. I like I'm, I was hoping we'd be able to cover that show again because uh, it's coming around again March third. Um, I mean, I don't know if you. That's a day you worked, right? So I don't think you can probably cover it. Uh, but, um, but I, you know, I was hopeful to get to see it again. I don't know. I, it was a, it was kind of a magical night, and uh, where there's like 75 musicians all playing, Bo, you know, Bowie songs, all even like three and a half hours long, and and it was just incredible. And so it's kind of one of those ones where. You, maybe it's better that you just kind of stands on its own and you have that memory and don't have to kind of recreate it. I, I you know, I, I think of it sometimes when I see like one of my favorite artists or, you know, this legendary, amazing artist in, in a way that, you know, I'll never get a chance to relive that again. Like see, sitting like on the stage at a food fighters show or, uh, being closer than front row for Tom Petty for like his whole set two years in a row. And then, you know, and then kind of going and seeing him at Bottle Rock on, you know, on his very last tour. Right. And, but being so far back, it was, and, and I left halfway through the set because it just, it was hard to compare to when I'd seen him 12 years right before. Right. So, right. so, uh, so I don't know. So I mean, uh, th- this tour would have been cool, but I'm going to be uh, in Austin um, for the days of, uh, of the tour. So uh, when it's here, so we're not going to be able to cover it this round. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm going taking personal vacation, which is uh, pretty cool. Going to hang out with some friends in Austin. That's awesome. And are you? I might have asked you this question before. Are you going to go to any shows while you're over there? I looked at what's what's going to be there. So I've always wanted to go to an Austin festival, right? And mm-hmm. uh, and I thought that would be really cool. South by Southwest is starting like the week after I'm going to be there. I couldn't stretch the trip out long enough to to do South by Southwest. Nor did I even know where to really start because there's so many artists and all, and I don't know most of them. Like uh, it's just this ongoing thing where there's music. Uh, all over right and um and so i I, yeah i'm gonna have to miss that i don't i'm gonna see if there's any small shows so at least i can get to a show while i'm there uh we'll see i don't have anything lined up right now but um but i'm hopeful i know noel gallagher is gonna be there uh noel gallagher of oasis and his high flying birds um is gonna be doing uh, a show there but 
um, I don't know that we'll be able to cover that or anything. That's too big, right? So, um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But, uh, but should be fine. I will report back, of course. Um, and, um, and I might even, I might have an interview like the night before I leave for, for Austin. Um, I'm in the works of setting something up, uh, with Matt Costa, who's been on the program before. So we'll see if that, you know, if that comes through. So, um, more to come on that. Let's talk about Kimber a little bit more before we hop into the interview. Um, Jens, your thoughts. Kimbra, uh, she blew me away. She blew me away. I mean, um, you know, before the interview started, um, she, uh, she, she just holds herself well, you know, I mean, from her, from her posture and the way she walks and the way she dresses, um, you know, I felt like there was something, you know, very kind of unique about her and the, um, you know, and the, um, uh, you know, and the, and the part that she's playing, I guess. And um, when the interview started, which was in a very intimate setting. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, yes. Yeah, I mean, it, it was like a large closet. <laughs> I mean, I, I did suggest we do the interview there, knowing full well that it would be a five by four. Uh, <laughs> it was like a large cardboard box. I know, right? The, the backstage rooms at the Regency Ballroom are, are petite. Uh, yeah, yeah there's a reason the ballroom itself is so large, you <laughs> right. know, and I think that's because all the other rooms are just closet size. Yeah, yeah, pretty Nuts. much. Yeah, so, um, so the, the, yeah, it was a real blessing to be part of the interview uh, with her, and, um, you know, she just strikes me as someone who is very uh, talented, obviously, but just detail-oriented and... Um, you know, perfectionistic and it comes out in her, in her lyrics, it comes out in her music, it comes out in her stage performance. Um, uh, it comes out in the show. I mean, uh, you know, the, I think one of the things that really kind of, um, impressed me was how the stage was set up. Right. And the, yeah. um, uh, the cubes that she had with her uh, band members in the cubes and the, and the, um, you know, the, uh, kind of the, the cinematic widescreen display it created that they were then able to project, you know, um, images onto there was some of it was kind of a little bit like Pink Floydish, like, yeah, you know, yeah. we do a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, and it made me feel, I think the quality of the music and the way the stage was, you know, set up and how they were, um, entertaining the audience, um, was I felt like it was it was a bigger show. I mean, I felt like the the venue, the presence, I guess, the presence of the performance made me feel like I was at a bigger venue. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. I mean, she has she had great stage presence. The the use of the stage to what what you're saying, right? They had those cubes that were had like a silk screen that. So, uh, sometimes were transparent and you were able to see the band member, the other band members behind the, the screens. Uh, other times, you know, they like they blacked it out like you, so you can't see the, the band members and they'd have other images projected on the screen. Um, and and she was, had a real good connection with the uh, with the audience as well. And it just like you said, it, saw, it seemed like it was meant for a bigger venue. 
um, you know, to, you know, like the size of a show where, you know, and a pop artist like Pink or Katy Perry or I, I don't know if I would say up to Lady Gaga or anything. Well, I guess Katy Perry's and, and Lady Gaga are pretty close, you know, and um, in size of venue, but, uh, but, but, you know, definitely a big, she, it felt like she could own a bigger stage. And for those that don't know Kimbra, uh, she, um, is a two-time Grammy award winner for, um, her work on, uh, Gautier's, uh, somebody that I used to know, um, which, uh, which I have to say, coincidentally, I was on a hold earlier today and what was the hold music? (laughs) <laughs> what was it? Did what you... was the old music? It was that song. It was that song. Like, yeah, Kim Bro. You're like, I know her. No. <laughs> I met her. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, she won for uh, Record of the Year and uh, Best Pop Duo Group Performance uh, back in the 55th Annual Grammy Awards in um, 2013. Yes, yes, uh, and uh, and so Kimber's third album is coming out in just a few months on April twentieth. Uh, it's called Primal Heart. Uh, you should check out what's available right now. There's a couple songs uh, out uh, from the album, and it's uh, it's sounding really good. So, um, so without further ado, I think we should hop into it, and uh, and we're gonna start with uh, one of the songs from uh, from Kim- Kimber's set at uh, Regency Ballroom before we hop into the interview and uh and this is version of me by kimbra hi i'm kimbra and you're listening to concert pipeline
are backstage at the Regency Ballroom in San Francisco with Kimbra. How are you doing, Kimbra? Hey, I'm very good, thank you. <laughs> Excellent. When did you guys get into town? Well, uh, I actually had a hotel last night in San Fran for some promo I had to do out here, so... Early yesterday, yeah. Yeah, so you get to do anything fun while you're in the city? Oh, I mean, I might get to have, like, a bit of Mexican food uh -huh. before I fly out, but, um, yeah, it's, like, all, all go, go, go on this tour, as you can imagine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about the tour life. It's back-to-back. -back. You don't probably don't get a lot of time to, to go around the city and everything. I mean, every now and then you get a day off, um, you know, but sometimes it's in, you know, North Dakota, and all there is is, like, right. a bowling rig and a highway. So <laughs> but you always find a way to make it fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um so tell us about the tour. How's the tour been going so far? Really amazing response. Like, I guess you never really know when you disappear for sometimes four or five years in some of these cities I haven't been back. And, you know, kind of don't know if people will still turn up. And all the venues have been, you know, most of these shows are sold out. And the bands are singing, like, every song, you know. Even the new ones that have only just come out, they're, like, singing every word. So it's really encouraging that this new music is connecting with people. And it just builds the buzz for the record to drop. Yeah. So talking about singing, uh, as a little girl, you were never trained as a, a singer, right? So... Um, not sort of in the professional way, like singing lessons. I just uh, had a, I was very lucky to have a coach who was very focused on teaching me how to use my body and my muscles to protect. So, you know, if you learn the wrong technique, you can be putting a lot of strain on these vocal muscles. So I was trained to kind of work out how to sort of use the rest of my body to sing, which is amazing. But yeah, in terms of picking up, you know, pitching and things like this, it was just sort of there when I was young. Um, I don't think you can really teach someone how, to, you know what I mean? It's kind of, yeah, it's a difficult thing because of course the thing that makes a great singer, I think is um, ability to have a great ear um, yeah. for, for and, and often mimicking their favorite artists in the early days. And then of course having soul and having, you know, soulfulness. Yeah, and so growing up in New Zealand, like, uh, tell me about the music scene there, and like, uh, did you go to concerts as a kid, or what? What kind of what was the drive there for you? Yeah, I was a huge music fan. I mean, it started off probably with like musicals and things, you know, like in school shows, uh, and then a jazz choir that I joined that would do like Frank Sinatra medleys and George Gershwin songs, you know, and then of course I got into like rock and roll and metal, actually a lot of metal, um, because I was very drawn to heavy rhythmic music, stuff that was real. Challenged my kind of math brain, I guess. Um, and of course, a lot of R&B. And, and in New Zealand, you know, there's a great scene for R&B and soul and hip hop. Um, we have so many islanders that live there and the Maori culture is like really percussive acoustic guitar and beautiful soulful voices that grow up in church. And so, you know what I mean? There's, there's a culture for gospel a little in New Zealand, um, perhaps a little more than Australia, for example, which is a bit more pub rock bands, you know? So I'm lucky for that. Um, I think I was being infused with a big variety of influences from a young age. Good to hear. Um, you know, I always find it interesting when a musician is born... Is that good? Okay. When a musician is like was born from a family who, um, who aren't musicians. So your parents were in the healthcare industry, right? Yeah, that's right. So what... How did you not get into healthcare? I mean, what, <laughs> what, yeah, what inspired well, you to, um, you know, pursue a career in, in music? They strongly kind of discouraged me from <laughs> going into medicine. I think they knew that it was, you know, a pretty tough job and you sometimes had people's lives on your hands and it wasn't necessarily, yeah, if you weren't 
called to it, then probably not the thing to go for. Um, in saying that, they, they were just very supportive that we follow our gifts, you know, me and my brother. So they, you know, lost me when I was 17 years old to another country, which I'm always surprised that they were so cool with that. But I think it was pretty clear that I was very driven uh, toward having a, a career that had some purpose to it and a real sense of like, you know, so there was nothing they could really do to stop me, I think. I was, had my heart set on it. <laughs> now, I, w I want to ask you about um, about something that you did that I think is pretty unique. And you did uh, a song for The Sims. Oh, yeah. And, and so you did you have to learn it backwards and sing it in Simish? Because I talked, <sighs> I, I talked, I interviewed someone a long time ago who yeah. had that same kind of experience. And, and he had to learn his song backwards. Well, is that the sim is, Simlish is, language? Is it is just it, straight up? It, okay, so yeah. Like, yeah. So I think it is. I think that's the process. Yeah, so it was such a long time ago now, but I, I remember being very determined to get it right and going over it many, many times and feeling absolutely ridiculous, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a fun challenge, yeah. How do you put yourself in that headspace to just, like, take it apart and put it back together like a... Well, at the end of the day, music is sounds, right? Yeah. And when you sing, I mean, we, we think it's just logical that we're using the English language, but to others it sounds like Simlish. So I guess I just tried to think in the sense of, like, you know, just using my mouth in different ways to create sounds. And <laughs> if that meant strange gibberish... You know, interestingly, I write a lot in gibberish, my own form of gibberish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, a lot of my early songs would just start with like, you know, just feelings and sounds. And then, of course, I'll listen back and be like, oh, she like that. Sounds a little bit like Sheila goes and, uh, you know, like to write gaps, a story yeah. around it. Yeah. So similar shows not too strange in that sense, you know? Yeah. And so you worked with Francois Tetez and on your debut album, and like I, what I uh, heard was like he kind of made you work really hard, like a lot for a couple years before yeah. you really put you know anything down fully, right? Yeah, it was infuriating. I mean, I was. 17 then turning 18 and absolutely jumping at the gun to get going right yeah. and it was that process of you still haven't got the songs yet you know he loved settle down which i wrote at 16 but you know it was only a verse and a chorus it didn't have a full storyline so he'd maybe make me watch movies that had a similar narrative to explore i would have to take notes on that i'd have to come back in with a different selection of verses and if i didn't have it right it was grueling it um but incredibly helpful of course and gave me probably that ability to get a taste of what it feels like to be produced which later helped me to sort of better produce myself because yeah. um, I knew what was important, you know? Yeah, and Settle Down, that, the video for Settle Down is really unique. Like, Thanks. Tell, tell me where the idea for that came from. How do you go from the song to putting it visually like that where it's something that's pretty powerful, I think? Cool. Um, well, you know, the, the lyric already kind of alludes to a pretty strong storyline, but it's kind of a dark song underneath all the kind of lighthearted lyrics. It's, it's actually kind of alluding to something that's probably quite sensitive for a lot of women and kind of we wanted to find a way to unveil that more <laughs> sarcastic side of the song or sort of, you know. And so when I collaborated with the video director, he had the idea to kind of do it through the eyes of young children. Um, so basically that is where it took a major turn, you know, and I think that's what really gave it an edge as well because, of course, sort of a universal experience is um, looking back into childhood and kind of uh, reflecting on what we were told at a young age, you know, and he really wanted to speak into that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <coughs> 
So you uh, have had a number of monumentous events in your musical career. Uh, getting a Grammy or two is part of that. Um, what was that experience like? I mean, did you expect that that was going to happen? Did you think that might be a possibility? You know, once you got them, what was it? How did that change you going forward? There was no part of me that expected to win that Grammy. I think me and Wally Gautier were just so shocked to even see Prince on stage, let alone thinking about him giving us the award. So the whole thing is kind of um, surreal, even to this day. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know if it changed my life in like a, a lot of sort of... Um, I don't know if it changed my life as a as a person, like I'm a changed person, because right. I think at the end of the day, these things are, you know, a night in your life and they're pretty crazy, but the things you remember most are sometimes like the smallest things in life, you know? Yeah. Um, but it certainly changed my um, sense of ambition around my music because I had this sense of like, oh my gosh, anything is possible. When you create a piece of art, it can kind of like shoot into the stars and become this incredibly massive thing that you had no concept of. So I think that kind of set alight my imagination and sense of, you know, yeah, ambition, like I said, yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell me about Primal Heart and, uh, and you know, kind of your process for that, because I know it's a lot more personal album that you have coming out here in a couple months. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, so tell me how you reached in and kind of changed your approach for that. It was reactionary to the Golden Echo. I mean, the Golden Echo was so much about that imagination I'm talking about and that escapism and like involve everyone under the stars on this album because it's so much fun. And whereas Primal Heart, I was ready to do the scariest thing of all and just kind of expose myself more, right? And put my voice at the front of the recordings. And um, I'd done a lot of personal growth in my life and kind of encountered um, different experiences that, that had you know, made me more confident to be direct about um, who I am and direct about, you know, what I kind of go through as a woman. And I just want, wanted to kind of release a piece of art that's, that felt a little less decorated in characters and was just a little more who I am as a person, which is scary because, yeah. you know, if people don't like that, then well, that's, you know, what are you going to do then? I mean, that's who you are. So, But yeah, it, it did feel really good to actually do the most challenging thing of all, which was to... Um, go simpler, you know, and I don't mean simpler in, in terms of like watering things down. I still think this record has a ton of depth on it and color, but I got rid of anything that wasn't serving the message, the essence, you know, that's what Primal Heart is about, finding this core and speaking to people on a level that we all can understand and kind of relate to in some way. Yeah. And, and on Everybody Knows, you worked with Nelly Furtado. No. no, you didn't. Sorry, I don't know where that comes from. It's okay. um, I worked Start, with. Yeah, made up. <laughs> that's okay. Okay. Uh, I worked with John Congleton on okay. that song. Yeah, and um, he's worked with Nelly Furtado. Oh, okay. I don't know that much. That's, that's weird, right? Because yeah. it just hasn't come out yet. So that's okay. 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 <laughs> um, yeah, I wrote that with my friend, and then John came in to help me kind of flesh out the final recording. It's a great process. He's a real asset to me. Yeah. So how did you how did you meet him? How did you kind of get uh, decide that he's the one you want to work with on that? He had some really strong philosophies about what he wanted to sort of unveil in my music. He felt that I had explored lots of creative things, but there was a side of me that my fans didn't know yet, um, and a more vulnerable space, and a raw, almost more punk rock sort of approachability. And he came from that working process where you commit to an idea and you run with it, you know? And I wasn't as good as d at doing that. I like to always have options for things, and he was very, yeah, quite militant about 
just trusting my gut and finding that um, that strength to own, you know, your voice. So. From, even just from the conversations around the philosophy that he had around making the record with me, I was like, I think you're the right person. You're going to push me, and that's what I want. Yeah. So uh, tell me about, you played the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, tell, and you got to, to do a Bowie song. That's and, right. Uh, tell me about that and, and that experience and being up on, the, on that stage. Well, I mean, first of all, I was there with The Roots and David yeah. Byrne. So just like being next to David Byrne, not even like a backup singer to him, but like doing a straight up duet, like back and forth parts, yeah. going over the parts backstage with David Byrne, making notes on our lyric sheet. Like it was surreal, you know, practicing harmonies. and <laughs> It's crazy. And of course, The Roots just being such an incredible band. And um, yeah, I mean, to be able to tribute Bowie just felt extremely um, special, even of itself. So um, yeah. I remember talking to David Byrne after the show and the last time he'd been at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was when he was presenting an award to David Bowie with Madonna. Oh, wow. So talk about full circle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We actually covered a Bowie celebration here, actually, oh, great. full circle, you know, where uh, members of his band, uh, uh, it's coming back here, actually. Cool, but, uh, cool. Members of his band performed lots of other stars, you know, and, and artists. And it was just one of the most amazing shows I've, I've been to. Because yeah. It's like three and a half hours of all these people celebrating his life. Absolutely. And, and everything. And there's so much energy in it. You know? Oh, yeah. yeah. That sounds great. Yeah, it was really cool. So um, let's, I just want to go back to Primal Heart quickly. Mm. Um, and as you were describing the process, you know, the, the same word just came to my mind all the time, and that was that it it just sounds raw. You know, you're going to the, you're stripping everything away, you're going to the core, and you're really revealing something about yourself that's very raw, right? Mm -hmm. And making yourself vulnerable, essentially. Mm -hmm. That's got to be really hard to do. How do you know when you have it just... Right. You know, how do you know when you've described it just perfectly yeah. that it's worthy to be put on an album? Right. And it is a mystical thing, like knowing that moment when you've, you know, because you don't want to push it too far as well. Like there's a fine line with emotional music, you know, where it can sound forced, you know, and then if you don't give enough, then it's sort of too restrained and like finding that sweet spot. Um, again, it's like, I think... I really trust in the objectivity of others sometimes, like when you get that look on the producer's face where they're like, okay, dude, that was, that was it, you know? And, and that's something sometimes that I'm not even aware of, you know, I'll play a show some nights on tour, I come off and be like, shit, that was like, you know, a mess. And then someone will be like, yo, that was like straight up the best time I've ever seen you play. Yeah. And you know, you just start losing your, your, you stop putting your own judgment on a pedestal and you realize that this thing is bigger than you. Yeah. And it's a collective experience and you know, yeah. So it's trusting a few select people to come together and all say, that's the moment. Um, and also when I know in my heart after I've done a take or after I've created a, a piece of music, a demo, and I get that feeling of, ooh, that touched on something personal. Like, ooh, that, you know, that, that's a very truthful part of me that I don't often share. So yeah, I think that um, the only thing that keeps me going and that is, is kind of realizing that when I give my, myself permission to go there, someone else listening will do the same. Yeah. And so when you're collaborating with a producer, you're you're really kind of trusting them as well, right? You're going in you in obviously you have a kind of a vision for it, but you're yeah. but you're also kind of letting them bring their spin to it. Yeah, I think 
you're both wanting the same thing at the end of the day, right? You decide on the values, like what do we want to really do with this record? What do we, and of course that meant like setting some boundaries. Like we're not going to sit there and do that Mellotron part on five, six different instruments just because we have them there. We're going to decide which one conveys the emotion. And if it's not serving the song, if it's just dope because you think it's dope, like, and it's vibey, that's not the time for this. This is about, you know, honing in on what is necessary for the message and, that was a challenge for me, you know, because I'm obsessed with little details. Yeah. Um, but I think what keeps you aligned and on the same page is like at the end of the day, we both want the same kind of record. We both want the same feeling. We're hunting for the same thing. So, yeah, you do have to trust them to help you get there. Um, and if they're not on board with that, you have to speak up and say, this isn't going the direction I want, you know. So it's always a push and pull. Yeah. Well, as we want to be respectful of your time, so we're going to let you go. But I want to ask you one more question. Sure. And it's... Uh, about Cookie Monster. Okay. <laughs> so tell me about uh, tell me about that and, uh, and how that came about and working with uh, with with the Cookie Monster becoming the Biscuit Monster. Yes, that's right. That was so <laughs> wild. I mean, I think the Sesame Street, some people from the crew were fans, and you know, they wanted to see if I could be a part of one of the sort of episodes, and uh, they they suggested Cookie Monster, and I was like, I'm in. So yeah, it was just you know, it was a little bit weird because obviously you have to learn that there's actually someone under. Underneath the whoa, cookie whoa, monster. Whoa. Spoilers. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't want to talk too much about that because I don't know who's listening. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like a normal 40-year-old dude right. who's like super casual and cool. And you're like, shit, all my childhood dreams are breaking. Right, yeah. But, you know, it was, it was worth it. Part of something really big. Like you're like, you'd never expect to be in that situation, I bet, as a kid, right? And never. you're just like, ever, this is, you know, this is happening, right? Exactly, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Kimber, thank you for taking the time today. And thank uh, you. really looking forward to your set tonight. Awesome. Yeah, me too. That was the interview with Kimbra on Concert Pipeline. And as Yen said, really great chat. You know, uh, when we were in that little closet that we interviewed her in, uh, I... I I forget the context exactly, but she sang a couple of notes, right? And it was just, her voice is so sultry and smooth and just like, you could listen to it all day, right? Like, I mean, it was just, she's very well-spoken yeah. and uh, and it was cool to just kind of have that little, you know, piece that she brought it, into the interview. It really was. I felt like uh, we got just a little taste of what it might be like, um, you know, being in a room with her where she's... Uh, you know, working out uh, her next song. You know, it's like, this is kind of her process. That's really awesome. Yeah. It's neat to hear that. You know, you don't necessarily need to start with the lyrics. You can just verbalize anything. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then it um, takes a life of its own, you know, and, and then she creates it. And uh, and I think that's where it was, right? Was um, when I asked her about um, recording the songs for The Sims 3, um, uh, she, she did a song for The Sims. And Years ago, I had interviewed Nate Roos from um, Fun and The Format. I had interviewed him with his prior band, The Format, and uh, and he had done a song for The Sims, and he had told me that they that he had to record it in Simish, which is like learning the song backwards, and um, and to me that's just like 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 just amazing, like because you're like not using words really, but you're really focused on the sounds and. Uh, and Kimber kind of cracked into that a little bit, and uh, and said, you know, said that it, you know, to her, it wasn't that hard because she was so focused on just like the the sounds, like in the music, be you know, behind it. So it yeah, it wasn't an un- unmountable task, I guess, for her. Yeah, 
Yeah, true artist. Yes. True artist. You know, I felt, well, during the entire interview, I've got to say, though, I felt bad because uh, um, I think we robbed her of her time to consume her pineapples. <laughs> oh, geez, you're, you're really worried about those pineapples. That I was worried about the pineapples the whole time. Here she had her pineapples, and she was probably looking forward to, you know, uh, eating those pineapples, but here she is talking to talking to us yeah hush schmucks right yeah <laughs> no well uh you know maybe after the interview she had a couple minutes to uh to, to handle some pineapples what do you think that could be i hope so or you know alternatively they might still be there they they could be you ne- will never know so uh you'll just have to you know sleep on that one and just hope for the best yeah so yeah yeah it's gonna keep me up though it's gonna keep me up you know i might have to go back there tomorrow and see if the pineapples are still there okay i can say i can send them to her yeah i could ship them to her you forgot your pineapples xoxo yens yes i know i know she lives in new zealand so i could just put kimbra new zealand you know put it in the box and go yeah, she was really astute to your heritage as well, like in in your voice, like she could note like an accent of some sort from you, right? I remember that. Yeah, yes. Every now and then somebody says that. I don't know, you know, what it is um, that makes people think that. Um, my stepmom is from Sweden, mm-hmm. so she says some funny stuff. I mean, yeah, she has an accent, so you know where she, you know where. You know, she's, um, you know, from originally from someplace else. But every now and then she pronounces a word um, incorrectly. Like, like it's it's correct um, in the country that she's from, but uh, it's not correct in English. You, you um, tell her we're in America here. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like the word kilometer. Okay. So she doesn't say kilometer. She says kilometer. Oh, Oh, okay. Same word, that, yeah. just pronounced differently, right? Yeah. So I guess in Sweden it's maybe kilometer, or I don't know. So I don't, maybe I maybe I do that kind of thing. I don't know. So I don't know. Uh, it was it, it was uh, an astute note, uh, note from her uh, on that side, though. So I think we should. Yeah, it's flattering. Yeah, I think we should listen to another uh, song from Kimber Set at uh, Regency Ballroom. What do you think? Yeah. All right, uh, so this is uh, Kimbra uh, here on Concert Pipeline, and this is a song called As You Are. Here it is.
That was As You Are by Kimbra on Concert Pipeline. And Jens, that takes us to our last segment here on the podcast, your favorite segment. What is it? It's music news. That is right. And uh, I will tell you, we scoured the internet <laughs> for a while to scratch the surface for some music news stories. There are times where uh, we have like so much music news and so many things we have to hit. You know, there, it's hard to pull, you know, just a couple of stories, you know, out and we have to choose, you know, just the best of the best. Right. This exactly. is not that time. <laughs> no, it's, this is this is the opposite of that time. It typically just takes a, a minute or two, right, just to grab the the big stories and then you know save them till the end of the uh, the, the show. But uh, Steve, I think we were working together on this, and I think it took about twenty minutes. It did. It, I mean, it was painful. It did. It did. But but we're going to do our best here for you guys. We're going to let you know what is going on, what little is going on in in the music news world because that's what we do here on Concert Pipeline, right? We are your pipeline to the music industry and uh and we're going to share what's what's happening. So, I think the big story I'll start with is Smashing Pumpkins um and we we kind of hinted at this in our episode last week where we're like, hmm, there's some cryptic stuff. Is there going to be a mostly full Smashing Pumpkins reunion, right? Um, nothing was confirmed at that point, but there was some heavy heavy suggestions um, in that direction. Well, uh, this time we're bringing to you the, that Smashing Pumpkins has announced um, – a, a bunch of shows and in big big venues like they're they're playing arenas at this point um with uh billy corgan getting together two of the other three original members of smashing pumpkins so smashing pumpkins has really just always been billy corgan and whoever's around you know i mean since the since the original lineup kind of dispersed I think it was around 2000 that that um, that, that kind of happened, and um, and he's done some tours with like one of the original members, but but I don't think they've ever had two, and 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 one of the members is not going to be a part of the uh, part of the the whole uh, tour that they're doing now. So um, here's the story: Saga of the Smashing Pumpkins reunion continues to unravel. Uh, after the band released an official statement regarding the absence of original bass player Darcy Retsky, uh, she's fired back by revealing a slew of text messages from Billy Corgan. Uh, the messages were shared on Alternative Nation. Uh, they were posted as proof to the many people who said that uh, she was lying about being offered the job. Uh, Billy's saying now that now as well. Um, and she shared on her fa- this on her Facebook page, which has now been made private. Um, if one takes the time to read it carefully, one will notice that uh, as the conversation continues, the role she's offered becomes even smaller. Finally, Billy says that what I deserve is a T-shirt with my face on it. Uh, I spoke to him and I asked him if there was any possible way that I'd be able to play bass on the tour. And he said no. 
text messages reveal Corgan at first keeping Retsky abreast of the reunion proceedings, saying that I think it will mean a lot to the fans if you are up on stage every night. Uh, and even if you can't uh, play due to your shoulder stuff, I guess she has some shoulder issues or what have you, um, you can certainly sing Daydream and participate in other ways. Uh, later, Corgan told Retsky that you just have to let us know how you want to be involved because I certainly want to represent your position properly and, of course, create some opportunities where you can be interviewed to explain your position in your own words. And he goes on to compare her proposed participation to that of Guns N' Roses uh, on uh, the band's recent reunion track. So there's some animosity there with, uh, with uh, Darcy Retsky um, and... Uh, and Billy Corgan to where um, it will not be a full Smashing Pumpkins reunion. Does anyone care? I do. And the only reason I care is because I saw the Smashing Pumpkins years and years and years ago at uh, in Sacramento, and they were uh-huh. absolutely fantastic. Uh-huh. I mean, one of the best shows I think I've ever seen. And... Um, and then, you know, I think it was a year or two ago um, where they came, you know, back to town. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go see the, you know, I'm going to go see them again. And um, and it just wasn't the same, you know, because the members were different. Is, like, so that's that's it for you. It's it's this, It wasn't the same because the members were different or it wasn't the same because there were, you know, 14 and a half shitty albums after – um, you know, after the the good albums that they did back in the back in the day, and they're playing, you know, a bunch of shit that nobody cares about. Um, I mean, is it the <laughs> too. is it the members of the band that like? It, it, it's it's both. I mean, if you know, if they were to come back around again, and uh, I knew that they were just going to play the stuff I didn't care about, you know, I wouldn't go. Yeah, and. Uh, and I guess but they're if, sticking. But if they if they played the stuff I did care about, you know, and the original members weren't there, I probably wouldn't go either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they're sticking pretty heavily to that era, um, you know, the old the older era of uh, of music that they have, and and you know, uh, we we talked about it before, and I've seen you know Smashing Pumpkins a couple times now, not far back in the day when they were at their prime, but. Um, but no one can replicate Billy Corgan's voice, really. I mean, he's got mm-hmm. a unique, you know. I mean, he's, that's he's, the thing. You he, really have to have the voice. Yeah, he, he's a unique artist, but he, you know, he's also done a lot of shitty music as well, right? I mean, and had other projects that were not great, you know, like Zwan and um, and uh, you know a lot of solo stuff that just didn't hit the mark, you know. Um, Right. In, in anything compared yeah. compared to Smashing Pumpkins. So I don't know. We'll see. But the fact that they're booking bigger venues for this tour is I think kind of surprising to me just because of, you know, a couple of band members who were originally in the band. I, I don't know. I don't see it. So All right. Yeah. What you got, Jens? I, I don't see it either. Uh so I got this. Uh I got some news about Metallica. Okay. I got some news about uh, Metallica's lead singer, James Hetfield. All right. Hit us. Now, we know James Hetfield is the lead singer of Metallica. We right? do know that, yes. That we, which, we, yeah. which means we know that he's a musical artist. Uh, also yeah, defined by the lead, being the lead singer of a band, yes. 
Yes. Okay. So that much is true. So can you imagine him in any other role outside of music? Uh, I can imagine him uh, serving uh, food at a, in a hot dog stand. Yes. No. Holy shit. You know, if I went to a hot dog, stand, hot dog stand and that guy was serving me a hot dog, I'd be like, dude. You kind of freaked me out. Master. <laughs> Master. Master of hot dogs. Yeah. No, no, no. So James Hetfield is, I mean, he's pretty badass, yeah. right? Um, he is <laughs> going to make his film debut oh. in a Ted Bundy movie. Okay. Like- so when I first heard about the story i'm like oh my god he's gonna be ted bundy yeah holy shit you know he's gonna make a great ted bundy because that guy when he wants to be can be really scary yeah um but turns out he is not going to be ted bundy he in fact is going to be someone else zach efron is going to be the infamous killer in this film oh okay wow yeah i don't really know who that is but he's, he's, um, he's one of those popular Act buff actors that you know is all always walking around with his shirt off. So, oh yeah, you know I know I I know he he looks familiar, but I couldn't tell you a single film. I think he's on steroids or something. I mean, I think he has to be, but yeah, yeah, yeah. right. He looks he kind of has that body style. Yeah. So anyway, so I really hope that um, you know Zac Efron does the character justice here. So, but that doesn't mean um, that James is not in the film. He in fact. Uh, is in the movie, and he's going to portray um, Officer Bob Hayward. Okay. Yeah. Who is a no-nonsense Utah Highway Patrol veteran who was the first law enforcement officer to arrest Bundy back in 1975 after pulling the killer over and discovering burglary tools in his car, but wisely suspecting much worse. So, Yeah. That would be cool. We get to see, um, you know, we get to see one of music's greats in another, you know, uh, uh, I was going to say yeah. venue in another uh, yeah, environment. Another yeah. environment. Thank you. Okay. Yes, and we'll have to see. Uh, we'll have to see him on the big screen. Well, we will. Um, well, I'm going to see your Metallica story and match you with another Metallica story. How's that? This is the music news for today. So, <laughs> All right. Is it the same story? Yeah, I'm going to read the exact same story. No, uh, no, no, no. This is uh, actually the Metallica is planning a Cliff Burton Day in uh, the late bassist's hometown. So um, here, here in the Bay Area. So Cliff Burton is going to be honored on what would have been his 56th birthday with Alameda County uh, in here in California proclaiming February. February 10th. Um, oh, I guess this already happened. <laughs> uh, this is, I was just going to say. Uh, slow news. This is this already happened. We're going to go back as, and uh, tell the story as though it uh, you know, <laughs> has happened. Uh, Cliff Burton Day. So that proclamation came after Metallica fans started a change.org petition to recognize Burton in his hometown of Castro Valley. Um, they announced it on Twitter. The Board of Supervisors from Alameda County had proclaimed February 10th, 2018, which would have been, uh, yeah, they announced it as Cliff Burton Day. I think they're thanking all the fans who got behind that initiative and love that he uh, remains so uh, revered. And uh, he was born and raised in uh, Castro Valley. And um, as the proclamation notes, Burton began playing music at age six, moving from piano to bass after the death of his brother, Scott. Um, and he played in a, a bunch of other bands, 
But um, eventually Burton garnered the attention of Metallica co-founders James Hetfield and Lars Ulrich. And in 1983, uh, they released their debut, Kill 'Em All. Um, and, uh, and so he was a part of that. He was uh, 1984's Ride the Lightning and 86's Master of Puppets before he di- uh, died tragically in a bus crash while the band was on tour in Sweden. Um, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so they're, they're, you know, showing him some love and, uh, and, and celebrated, um, Cliff Burton day. So, yeah, yeah, that's a good deal. Cool, cool, cool. Um, all right. Well, I got a question for you, Steve. Okay. Hit me. All right. This is, uh, I've got an article here. Um, uh, have you ever done anything, uh, you know, that was slightly embarrassing? Like you do Never. something and then you realize later, no fucking way did that just happen? I did that. What was I thinking? Okay. I'll go with you on this one. So, I mean, right. uh, yes, I've done some stupid, embarrassing shit in my life. And yeah. All right. So have you ever, you're a concert guy, right? You like going to concerts? A little bit. Sure. Yeah. You started like a TV show and a podcast about that, right? I so. mean, yeah. So, uh, have, but I've got to ask you. Okay. So you bought a lot of concert tickets in your life, right? Bought a lot, got a lot free, yeah. Okay. So have you ever bought tickets to see one of your favorite bands? Okay, let's say like the Foo Fighters. Okay. Only to find out that you mistakenly bought the tickets to see a different band. No, I've never been that dumb. No. <laughs> Usually I, I pretty, right? you know, I uh, am pretty cl- uh, clever with uh, with how I buy my tickets, ensuring that it's the band I'm going to see. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, there are people out there that have done this, and let me tell you the story. So uh, the band is the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Okay. And there was a fan that um, – recently uh mistakenly bought tickets to another band uh with a similar name thinking that he was buying tickets to the red hot chili peppers what, what was the other band's name right R- right what other band could sound like the red hot chili peppers uh, that's what i'm asking yes do you have an answer for this any one? ideas uh i got nothing rhc you got nothing no, no right. i don't know okay so the big fan here is duncan rob who um had accidentally bought tickets to see the Red Hot Chili Pipers. Oh, is it a cover band and or? No. Okay. <laughs> That's just it. Do they play arenas? <laughs> like uh, maybe. I'm like. I don't know if they fill them up, uh, but maybe they play arenas. I, I'd be because I'd be like, okay, wow, you, the, the, you know the Peppers are going to be playing at Slim's here in San Francisco, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think it's like I, an intimate venue. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh wow! Right? I got tickets before they sold out. Like they must have gone like that, right? Like yeah, super quick. Like and, I got really lucky, and yeah. it's not one of these basketball arenas, you and, know. And the tickets That's are only, cool. you know, $14. This is incredible. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. So the Red Hot Chili Pipers, they call themselves the most famous bagpipe band on okay. the planet. Bagpipe band. Yeah. I mean, I would pay to see that even still. I don't know. And, and that sounds interesting to me. That's just Maybe that's just me. But <laughs> Right. So, um 
So it turns out that um, even though it wasn't the actual Red Hot Chili Peppers, they would go ahead and see it anyway. Uh Um, And, I mean, they had to get on a plane to go to this concert, right? This wasn't local. Uh, Short little, you know, plane flight away. So so we're going to – let's – hold on. This is the Red Hot Chili Peppers, by the way. Hold on. Sounds like they do some cover, like covers as well. Like, oh, I would totally pay to see this. This is. No, I'm getting excited about this. I want to go see the Pipers. They, they, here we go. Seven Nation Army, like... Oh, yeah, yeah. Covering Seven Nation Army by White Stripes. So they are a cover band. Yeah. I mean, they might have some original stuff, but... Oh, that's cool. And here I thought they were just, you know, traditional bagpipers. Oh, my gosh. That's... that. Uh, I don't know. That, that's, that sounds so much fun. Uh, I would... I, that blasphemy here, but I think I'd kind of rather see the Pipers than the Peppers. Than the Peppers? And I would like to see no Peter way. Piper pack, pick a pack of... Here. <laughs> I don't know. I just... I, I, yeah, I've never seen the Red Hot Chili Peppers live either. I did have tickets to see them at the Fillmore once, but my mom made me sell them. The same mom that you know can't park, uh, you know, on the on the street anyway. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you'd have to fly all the way over to Belfast, Northern Ireland, for this. Okay. Um, <laughs> so you better be super excited. So, so he bought plane tickets <laughs> and to fly, flew to a different, different location and bought the yeah. concert tickets. All all this thinking that it was going to be the Chili Peppers. So yeah, yeah. So what's the rest, yeah. what's the other half of the story? That that's pretty much it. Uh, he um, he tweeted, "Still can't believe we've flown over to Belfast, not for the Chili Peppers, but to see the world's best bagpipe band, the Chili Pipers." Thought I'd got a rate good deal on tickets and all. Yeah, yeah. Nightmare. So says he had a nightmare. I guess. Uh, I guess it wasn't all that positive for him. Oh. But anyway, I I was rocking out just now. Yeah. Rocking out just now. Yeah. No, that's that's super cool. Um, yeah. They. That's it. They are. I, I'm looking at their tour dates. The Pipers. And uh, nothing. They are going to be here in the U.S., but nothing on this coast, really. Have you seen the YouTube videos of the of the Piper guy that shoots flames out of his pipes? No, apparently I have to see that. Though, huh? You got to check that out. Yeah, I don't know if it's the flaming Piper or, or what he is, but he looks like like a heavy metal guy, you know, and he yeah. rocks the the pipes, and he's got these like flamethrowers. That... Oh, that sounds <laughs> that, that sounds so cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, pretty sweet. Wow. Kids love them. Okay, well, hopefully you enjoyed his show um, after getting there and could just have some fun with it. Yeah. Um, all right, I have one more story here. Uh, you have one more also? 
I do. Yeah, okay. just I got one brief one to wrap it up. Okay. Well, um, my story is also brief. Um, it's about a Guns and Roses. Uh, they call it a super group. Now, we're familiar with the term super group, right? What is a super we group? We are. It's when two groups come together. Two or more. Group. It's like members of large bands come together to form uh, another big presence band right and um and so this is this i think this one's a little bit of a stretch uh this is 6 a.m singer uh james michael and guitarist dj ashba x guns and roses um have announced a new band named pyromantic uh with uh, which michael describes in a monster energy facebook video as heavy but it uh also got these really really pop melodies all i can say is i know you're gonna dig it yeah, that's that's a, a way to sell it, right? Like it's like you're you're gonna like it, really. I mean, you you'll like it. Come on, it's I mean, it's good. You'll like it. Um, it's some of the most special stuff I've ever heard. Uh, Ashba added. I mean, and this is one of the people that worked on it. No, it's it's special. Uh, when we sat down to do Pyromantic, uh, the one big thing was let's create something so new and fresh and create a sound for Pyromantic. So when you Pyromantic. It has a very distinct sound. It's got sounds. It's special. You'll like it. It's good. Pyromantic. I'm sold on this. Where can I buy tickets? All right. <laughs> it's a blend of dance, rock, and pop, and you kind of throw that in a blender, uh, and I would say that's pretty much what pyromantic sounds like. <laughs> there, there are no, like, explosives involved? I, I don't know. The words they're using are, like, are not very cohesive in selling their music. It doesn't, right. doesn't really scream greatness to me. That, maybe that's just me. <laughs> yeah. I hear ya. I hear ya. That doesn't sell me either. There. You got one more story first, Yens. Make it better than pyromantic. Okay, I do. I do. I do. I do. So, uh, you know, it's always sad when, um, when uh, you know, illness um, affects us in the music world. Um, we've got. Judas Priest guitarist Glenn Tripton uh, had to step back from a tour due to Parkinson's um, disease. So uh, the official word is that he's not leaving the band. Um, His role is simply changing. Um, So he was uh, diagnosed about 10 years ago. Mm. Wow, and it's it's really catching up to him now, and he's can't do it anymore, huh? Yeah, yeah, he's having trouble. Um, so he says, ten years ago, um, he was diagnosed to have early onset. Uh, the band said that. Um, from then, recently, Glenn has lived his life as the great heavy metal guitar player he's always been, maintaining. Uh, by his own definition, a standard of quality and performance that is incredibly important. So right now, uh, Glenn is able to play and perform some of the pre-songs that are less challenging, but due to the nature of the disease and the progression, uh, he wants to you know, let us all know that um, he won't be touring as such. Oof. So it's great. I mean, it's great that um, you know he's still a part of it, but obviously the, you know, the tremors are... Gonna give him a hard time there. 
I mean, Judas Priest has some heavy songs. I don't know how much you'll you'd be able to do. I mean, we know Judas Priest got um, you, you got your breaking the law. You know, like it's not like these are slow songs or anything, right? Like right. I mean, some of this is really sophisticated guitar work. Breaking the law. Breaking the law. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. I see that working out for him. I, you know, hopefully he's able to take care of himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, Glenn, we're, we're thinking about you, man. All right, good stuff. Well, uh, I think that's about winding out our show for today, Jens. What do you think? Yeah, I think we're good, man. All right. Uh, we don't have the, uh, anything else official lined up right now, so see if we can get one more uh, interview in before um before i leave for austin uh hopefully no promises no guarantee but remember in the meantime we do have some homework for you as you're listening to this you don't have to stop you just go over to concert pipeline tweet us uh at concert pipeline hashtag dillhole yes or dillhole no and uh (laughs) and help somebody trade and i'll and i'll leave that up to the audience i will stand corrected as you know uh I am the dill hole if uh, <laughs> if the concert pipeline audience you know calls it so. so <laughs> yeah, I will own Sounds it. Sounds good, man. I will own it. Yeah, can't wait to can't wait to see the responses. Yeah, so we're gonna play us out here with one more song from Kimbra's set uh, at the Regency Ballroom. This is uh, her single "Top of the World." So for all of us here at Concert Pipeline, that's Jen Schiphol. and that is Steve Jones. We will catch you next time.
Thank you.